0: A special guest speaker, and uh, his name is Sean Brennan. Sean's been a part of my life. He's been a good friend of mine for more than half my life now. Uh, we met in college, and uh, we're actually we were talking last night, and he reminded me that he heard one of the first sermons I ever preached, and we're still friends, which is crazy, because it had to be terrible. Uh, but he and I were uh, friends in college, and he's a little bit ahead of me in those in the grade system of that. And I was uh, we were just talking a story he forgot was uh, we've jumped on an airplane together like we've got all kinds of experiences but one story was when my wife and I were feeling called to go to for our master's degree at Dallas Theological Seminary he was already a student there and he was the only person i knew that actually lived in Dallas and so he let us borrow his car we didn't have any money we we're college students just driving around town and i actually didn't know how the big city worked and got his car towed uh, you may have heard me share this story before. I actually got a ride to the impound yard because I couldn't call him because I had his car uh, from just a dude that I met who was a drug dealer I learned in the process. And it was like a long story, but uh, got his I had to borrow four bucks from the drug dealer, but I spent all the money I had <laughs> getting his car unimpounded. And uh, when I went to go pick him back up with his car, I was driving the wrong way down a one-way, and he came walking down the street like, what are you doing? And then he saw chalk all over the windows from the impound yard. And uh, I still needed a ride to the airport, Shannon and I, and he took us there, bought us lunch. I still own a burger, I think, in that process. But um, Sean is a pastor up in Cleveland, Ohio, so his basketball team is still rolling through the playoffs. We'll see what happens to this football team we don't want to talk about. But his basketball team is still going. And um, he is a, a man that just, what you need to know about him, I know a lot of times when the, our pastors preach, you already know them, you have relationships with them. But uh, when we have a guest speaker, just to tell you about Sean, loves the Word, loves Jesus, and is a lover of people. This is one of the things that uh, if you come up, he'll probably hug you, even if you haven't met him yet. He's just that kind of pastor, definitely a pastor and a pastor of pastors. And he's up there in Cleveland right now, uh, preaching the gospel up there and sharing with lots of people and getting involved with marriages. And uh, he's going to bring the word today about forgiveness. And so it's not part of our series that Jesus is Stronger, but after hearing the message first, it goes right along with what we've been doing in that series. And uh, I invite you to come up here, Sean. I'll pray for you. And uh, he's going to bring the word. This morning from Matthew chapter eighteen, he's uh, got also got a wonderful wife. I forgot to mention Allie. Allie, wonderful wife. He's got three girls, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful girls. All pastors don't have just girls, uh, <laughs> just the ones I know have <laughs> yeah, girls. But, exactly. Uh, let me pray for you, Sean, as you bring the word. Father, thank you uh, for Sean and uh, just his scholarship of studying the Bible, uh, but more than that, his passion and. Uh, intimacy with your son, Jesus, and the love for Jesus, and I pray you would use him to connect us to your son, Jesus, today. I pray that each one of us, those who've been walking with you for a long time, and those who uh, maybe all this church stuff is new to us, that you would speak through his words in a way that we can all understand, and I pray, God, that you would convict where there needs to be conviction, and I pray that you'd encourage, and I pray for him, and I know he's already preached this message once today here. But you may want to do something different this service. I pray you just keep them open to your spirit, working and moving in that. And uh, for each one that's here today, God, uh, for some, I know that the need is repentance. And there's been hard hearts, and I pray you'd break those hearts. And for some, um, God, you they're hurting. And I pray you'd bring comfort and healing. And you can do all that with the same word. And I pray you'd use your word to pierce us. In Jesus' name I pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Looks great seeing doctor up there on the screen. I should be <laughs> very proud of your pastor. I think very highly of your pastor and Shanna. It is a, a treat. Now, to clarify, when we when you said we jumped out of planes, there were parachutes involved. Um, we we had so many fun memories, but that sermon that he, re, you know, reminded me of this or last night. Actually, I reminded Scott of that because he was in a, a freshman or first year preaching class, and I can remember standing back after hearing him preach and recognizing that this man is uniquely gifted by God to communicate God's word and. When he speaks of you, church, outside of your presence, he speaks very highly of you. He loves you very much. And we, uh, my wife and I and our girls, as we've enjoyed our time in Raleigh, we understand why Scott and Channa migrated south from Michigan when they made that move. And this morning, it is a huge privilege for me to stand in this pulpit and to open up God's word. I want us to catch this morning the simple phrase that was articulated in the song that we sing, I am no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. And that changes everything, doesn't it, in the life of a believer? And for those of you that are here that are believers, that have been believers for a long time, I hope and pray that this message this morning is a source of tremendous encouragement to you in your walk. And I will also share to you that the lesson when Pastor Scott gave me the invitation to to preach, I was so humbled, so honored. Um, I love these guys. I'm so grateful for them. I did, that, that car, it wasn't a Lamborghini or anything. I think it probably paid more to get the car out of you know storage or whatever that it was worth, a little Toyota Tercel. To but, um, but there's a part of this message today that if you get this, as you wrestle with what it means to deal with forgiveness in your life, I believe, friends, that there's a possibility of you understanding of freedom that you may not have ever experienced before. And so today we're going to look at what it means to experience forgiveness through the lens of the gospel. And there's a component of this that was, was made so profound for me when I was in, on a missions trip up in, in British Columbia in this place called Euclid in Canada. And we were ministering to a First Nations tribe. I had a privilege to preach up there. And then afterwards I was interacting with this First Nations, a believer in a First Nations tribe there. And the tribal elder sat, pulled me aside, and he sat down. We were just watching the eagles, just this breathtakingly beautiful place, like Raleigh. And, and this, this, um, th- I'm watching this eagle fly overhead, and he says, you know, you know Sean, um, that those, if you watch closely, you'll see that eagle catch a salmon. It's pretty amazing. And he said, I've seen with my own eyes a salmon be caught by an eagle, but, but what an eagle will do once they capture a salmon is they will not let go no matter the size of the salmon. And he said that I have seen a salmon caught that was so large that it literally drowned the salmon, I mean drowned the eagle, because the claws were embedded so deeply into the fish. And the image struck me as I think about the issue of forgiveness and non-forgiveness in particular that's been said with the cliche that I think is powerful, that it's kind of like an individual that drinks poison and hopes that someone else dies that there's a component of unforgiveness that can become so entwined with our soul that it it keeps us from being able to experience the kind of love and the kind of intimacy that the lord has designed for us to have and today as we study god's word together there's going to be a component of the truth of god's word that I hope is going to serve as a mirror for us to help us to identify an area in our life that can be the source of tremendous encouragement for us. So before we dive into the word, I want to say hi to those in the theater next door watching Jurassic Park. Uh, Congratulate. I want to say welcome to those of you in the other theater. And I want to take a minute and I want to just thank the Lord for this time. Lord, we love you. And I just thank you for Dr. Scott Lear. And I want to thank you for Shanna. And I want to thank you for the impact that they have had in my life and in Allie's life. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us the privilege to learn from them. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for its mission uh, to to be salt and light in this community. I pray that you would continue to bless it. Lord, I ask that you would um, open our eyes to the truth of your word. I pray that today in this place you would be glorified. I pray that there would be a sense of freedom that comes from the understanding of this tremendously beautiful passage of Scripture. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Matthew Matthew chapter 18. And as we turn to this um, passage of Scripture, for some of you, no doubt in this room, this may be something that is particularly familiar to you. It may be a passage that, um, that you've heard before, and that, it's one of those that's really easy to apply to other people. Like, they need to work on forgiveness. This is something that they need to understand. Perhaps you're sitting in here and you, you have a story of someone that you knew that was particularly unforgiving. For me, there's this devastating story in my family's history where my, my grandfather was a pastor and his, his wife really struggled with unforgiveness. We know because she, when she passed away, that she left notes in her house that were intended to be found after she passed away to share with her family members how bad of a job they did as being her children. That she had, had angst that was built up inside of her that was so deep that she wrestled with anger and unforgiveness and it destroyed her relationships in her life. And in my role as a marriage and family pastor, I have the privilege of interacting with tons of families that I have seen the issue of unforgiveness become a source of tremendous pain. It has distanced the, the ability for relationships to truly take place. And so, here, as we open up to Matthew chapter 18, we see this, this beginning in verse 1, this, this fascinating encounter where Peter, which we know that Peter's going to be the rock that the Lord Jesus is going to build his church on, Peter's going to be taken to school in a way that he's he's coming to jesus and he's going to ask jesus a question and and, in true peter fashion he's also going to answer the question because that's how peter rolls sometimes but he's going to articulate this question to the lord jesus and then jesus is going to do something powerful in the hands of the master teacher he's going to illustrate for all of us what it means to be people that have truly been forgiven And when we understand that we've been forgiven, we're going to see the joy and the freedom that come from that. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And then he goes on to answer it, up to seven times. And I think, I think Peter was doing something interesting here. More more than likely, there was a, A a teaching in Amos that he was familiar with that kind of used like our three strike rule that if someone had sinned against you three times, then you didn't have to forgive them anymore. At least that's what was implied. And Peter says, Hey, Jesus, if I've forgiven someone three times, how about seven times? And the Lord Jesus responds back and he says to you, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In some of your translations, it's 70 times seven. It's a little unclear in the text, but. The point is that you should not need a calculator or a spreadsheet to keep track of how many times you've had to forgive someone. This is intended to be a number that is unrememberable, that is unrecorded, that is, it's a constant state of unforgiveness. And no doubt Peter hears this and there's a sense of this like, are you serious? Could this really be the case? Do you really believe that we should forgive with this deep sense of forgiveness and constancy? And, and the Lord Jesus goes on to, to basically imply with Peter a tremendous lesson about human nature. And I will speak on my own, from my own life that it is easy for me to be stingy with forgiveness. Now, do you guys know the word stingy? I, I'll use my dad as an illustration of stinginess. He, um, have you, ha, my dad, we went to a Cavs game the other day and we were trying to find parking and my dad was not going to pay the ticket price for parking. You know, He's going to keep driving, so we're going to miss the game because he wants to not spend 12 bucks for parking. You know, he, he has this as a, a part of it. My dad is stingy. Allie tells the story growing up in her household that, that her parents, when there was that, um, that little white bus that would, or little white truck that would go through the neighborhood and there was music coming out of it, her parents told her that that was the music truck. Um, Not the ice cream truck, you know. (laughs) there's, There's a part of us, though, that we understand what it means to be cheap. But what about when it comes to giving forgiveness to other individuals in our lives? Especially in the light of the way it is described here as someone sinning against you. That they've hurt you. That they've done something that's extremely painful to you. Jesus goes on to use this powerful illustration in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, now, when you and I read this in the text, 10,000 bags of gold, that sounds like a, a tremendous amount of money. And the different translations will describe this in different ways. But it's important for us to understand that this 10,000 bags of gold, this is the largest denomination of money recorded in the scripture. This is the largest number. So it's like my kids using the word gazillion, you know? Like this is a tremendously huge amount of money. And the original here would have heard this and they would have said, all right, so the debt that is owed is tremendously significant. It's huge. And it, and it says in the text, he was unable to pay it. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. We know that's impossible. But then the servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. The the original hearer of this would have said, That's bad business. I can't believe it. Is this, this is amazing. Can you imagine the party that went on in this household, going from being caught as a slave to being set free? Does that language sound familiar to us? We sang about it today, didn't we? Didn't we? That, that as individuals who've been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are no longer a slave to fear, we're no longer a slave to sin, but through the blood of Christ that, that the Lord Jesus willfully chose for our behalf, that we are called a son of God. So there has been an offer of tremendous forgiveness. And then Jesus goes on to take Peter to school. And he says to him this, this idea that, that this lavishness, this amazing forgiveness is ultimately something that, that would strike him as being so deeply profound. And I suppose for you and I, friends, that, that we recognize this morning that God is lavish in his forgiveness to you and I. Psalm chapter 103, 8 through 13, puts it this way. It says, "'The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth,' So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Could, could you put your name in that? When you think of those words that the Lord Jesus is, or that God has described as looking at us with compassion, could you say um, that that alley? is compassionate and gracious that Sean is slow to anger that Karis is abounding in love that she will not always accuse and will not be harboring this anger forever there's a component of this for us to get this message morning this morning it's extremely important for us to accept the fact that at times we move into this pattern that repays evil for evil don't we that, that we are people who, when someone hurts us, that we do keep records. You remember in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, it's, it's pretty easy for me to keep record of wrongs, to remember the hurt. My, my mind doesn't have a delete button when it comes to the ways that people have hurt me in my life. But the text goes on to say in Matthew 18, verse 28, When that servant went out, we get to continue to see the story. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. It's important that we catch that this is not a tiny debt. This is about the equivalence of 100 days' work. So here's this significant debt that is owed. But he goes and he has his own servant, his fellow servant, that owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. And he says, pay back what you owe me, he demanded His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison so that he could pay the debt. It's fascinating to see in Jesus' illustration that here a man had been tremendously forgiven and you would expect him to not repay evil for evil. But instead, what he does is he holds this other individual to this debt that he owes. Now friends, it's so important for us this morning to wrestle with what that looks like in our own life. Where is it that we choose to do this same thing? It's helpful to think that forgiveness means giving mercy and then moving on. That forgiveness is not inherently fair, but it is something that is only understood through the lens of the gospel. And it's crucial that we understand that we are always looking through lenses in our lives, aren't we? It's fun. I I get to sit down with couples that are in our church, every couple that gets married in our church, and it's about 60 or 70 of them in a year, that I get to sit down with every one of them prior to them getting married. And one of the things that I notice is that, you you know this, right? You know couples that are about to get married, that there's there's a rose-colored glass that they look through their spouse, their fiance through, right? That their future spouse, they, they can see no wrong in the person that they're Twitter-pated with, right? That they, they're so excited about this new relationship. And here, here, this language that we're using today is to accept the fact that you and I are always looking through some version of a lens. If you've cracked the screen of your iPhone or your, your cell phone, you know, you're reminded, I'm looking through something, a lens verse 31 goes on to say this when the other servants saw what had happened they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened this is the original master that had forgiven the tremendous debt i i, I think of this um, in such a, a powerful way to think about the fact that here this man is ultimately being viewed by outsiders how you and i choose to extend grace or not extend grace communicates an awful lot to the people that are surrounding us if we are not generous or lavish with grace people are painfully aware of it henry ward beecher 18th century pastor and abolitionist said this i can forgive but i cannot forget is only another way of saying i will not forgive forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note torn into and burned up so that it can never be shown against another another person I I think it's important for us to accept that when we don't do that well, that others are auditing our ability to extend grace. The story goes on to say in verse 32, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is hard words to read, but what he's saying here is individuals that have been forgiven ought to represent that in the way they interact with other people. And friends, this morning, as we wrestle with this, I want to illustrate this through a powerful uh, illustration that Ken Sandy is one of my favorite authors who wrote the book Peacemakers said that he had had a congregant hear a message similar to this just talking about forgiveness and grace and he'd gone up to um, he'd gone up to Ken after the message and he said pastor I'm having so much trouble forgiving my neighbor she's just the worst kind of person I, she drives me nuts We're, we have a lawsuit that's pending I mean it's just terrible I'm thinking about leaving I'm thinking about moving, uh, you know, he said, I run out of cheeks to turn, you know, and, and uh, Ken, you know, just smiled, said he would prayed for him, and then a couple weeks later, the, that man came back to the pastor and, and told him what had happened, that there was a terrible storm in their neighborhood, and in that community, only half of the houses lost their electricity, well, his house happened to be one that kept its electricity, and the other person that he was talking about, his neighbor that he despised. Her electricity went off. And the first thing that went through his mind was, I hope her fish die. I guess she had some expensive tropical fish and the filter. So he's thinking, yes, you know. And then he sits there and he thinks about it a little bit more. And he thinks about this, this truth, about what it means to be forgiving, what it means to understand what the Lord Jesus had done for him in his own life. And he decided to go through his house and get every kind of extension cord that he had in the house. He's starting to, you know, stick these things together and he goes out in the rain and it's still lightning and he, and he goes all the way over to the neighbor's house. And he knocks on her door and, and there's a moment there where I think he was probably afraid that she was going to come out with a shotgun, you know, who's on my porch. But she opens the door and he begins to articulate these words, hey, I, I was worried about the fish. And the man says, right when that happened, the electricity kicked on in the house. And from that moment forward, he told he told Ken that, that that relationship changed. And and the reason why the relationship changed was that he decided that he was going to take the initiative to pursue forgiveness, to pursue relationship, to pursue intimacy. And some of that was just based on his understanding of how much he had been forgiven. And my friends, if we are going to understand what it means for us to be individuals that have been deeply forgiven, then in the response to that, we are going to be people that understand how to grant forgiveness. One of the the saddest places that I've ever been is Skid Row in Los Angeles. We used to live in California, and I'd work with people in there. There'd be times where you'd interact with someone with the, the, the pain of life and their life experiences had been so painful that they just radiated just a stench about them, a hurt, a pain. And I can't help but say that in life, and life's experiences, I have found that, interacting with certain people, that there's such a depth of hurt that they just push every person around them away. And my encouragement to you this morning is for you and I to wrestle with what it means for us to be people that have understood the depths of the forgiveness of Christ that he's offered us so freely on his work on the cross, that we have the capability of understanding what it means for us to to let go of the very thing that would do the most destruction in our relationships. Now, some of you have listened to this, and you've said, well, well are we supposed to be Christian doormats? Do we just just lay down and let people hurt us. No, did you see in the text that this is extremely confrontational? This is not about passivity and just ignoring sin. This is actually about confronting sin and in the midst of it, being able to file it in the right location. I can speak from my own life and I can say very painful hurts in my past as I've wrestled with this text that I have pursued and interacted with and I have felt a tremendous sense of freedom in the process of forgiveness. in the original person that had hurt me, I don't even know if they understood what I was talking about. I don't even know if they really understood what I was interacting with them in because it was something that wasn't so important to them. But to me, it truly set me free to be able to interact with them in a way that said, hey, this is what it means for me to love you and maintain relationship with you. I was so moved by the story of the tragedy of the shooting that took place um, in Charleston last year. And I was flipping channels and the news came on and there was a, um, a declaration from one of the family members that had lost their mother. And if you saw the Time Magazine article, the title of it was profound. It says, on the night of June 17th, the gunman opened fire in the basement of a church in Charleston in the middle of a prayer meeting. And in that process, nine people died, five people survived. And then the the headline on it was what it takes to forgive a killer. And in that article, it would quote one of the daughters of one of the individuals that was murdered. And she describes this scenario. It describes in in the article of how she sat in front of the man who had killed her mother. And she had her chance, and you've seen this happen before, where they get their chance to really take their pound of flesh to tell someone how horrible of a person they are, how much pain they brought in their life. And this is the specific words that she had to say to this man who took the life of her mother. I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her again. But I forgive you, and I have mercy on your soul. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God forgives you, I forgive you. My friends, this morning, I want to encourage you to recognize that we can only experience true forgiveness for others when we've understood what it means for us to be forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. That forgiveness comes through the lens of the gospel And there's an inherent warning in this text that if we do not know how to forgive, then we may be like the individual that has not truly understood the forgiveness of Christ. But if we have experienced the forgiveness of Christ, that we ought to be characterized as being the most forgiving of people. So this description of the eagle with its claws inside the fish, the the poison that's ultimately going to destroy it, that there's a component of this that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can set it free. And if you choose to do that in your life, I think you're gonna see a blessing in your marriage, in your relationships, in your relationship with your children, in your coworkers. If you can allow yourself to understand forgiveness through the lens of the gospel, I believe that this community will not just see this church as an amazing church that it is, but they'll also know that this church radiates the continued love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that powerful to imagine what it means for us to radiate the forgiveness of Christ? My friends, let's bow our heads and let's thank the Lord for this time. Lord, we love you. And I thank you and praise you for your goodness, and I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it's sharper than a double-edged sword that can pierce our hearts. And Lord, I pray um, for the individuals that are in this room that have wrestled with with unforgiveness in their life like i have that have chosen to remember instead of work to set free lord i pray that for them on this day that you would search their hearts and you would help them to understand your overwhelming love for them your overwhelming grace your unmerited favor that only comes from you And Lord, I ask that in this place that our graciousness would abound and that there would be individuals that would see our lack of repaying evil for evil as being a representation of how much we understand that we've been forgiven. And I pray, Lord, this morning that as we reflect on the the fact that other people are watching us as to how we do this, Lord, I, I beg of you that ultimately at the core of our understanding would be that you knew us perfectly you were not deceived by our sin and you did not look at us and say um, that we were fooled you're fooled by our actions but instead Lord that you saw us completely and that you chose to seek and to save that which was lost and in that process Lord that we experience the kind of forgiveness that only can come through the blood of Christ. And I pray that that would radiate in the way that we interact with other people. You're an awesome God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.